welcome to Christ Community Church Online. Thanks for tuning in to service this weekend. I'm Amy. And I'm Andrea, and we'll be hosting today's service. Feel free to use the chat feature throughout the service. The chat feature is a great tool to connect and interact with other people watching service with you. Even though we're your on-camera service host, we have some amazing people behind the scenes that monitor our chat feed right now. Now in just a few moments, we'll jump into worship and hear a great message from Pastor Daryl. But before we do, we have a couple of announcements. Uh, Andrea, where'd you go? We're not done yet. <gasps> oh, wow. This is the first. We've never had confetti while we're doing this. Okay, so Andrea, what's going on? Well, I am just so excited because I get to step into a brand new position here at CCC as the preteen and middle school director. So I'll be overseeing our fourth through our eighth graders, and I cannot wait for this new opportunity and just to get to know these students better. That is so exciting, especially as a mom of middle schoolers. This is so great. Our Creating Hope for Cambodia virtual fundraiser is next weekend on Friday and Saturday, November 13th and 14th. Our vendor sites will go live at 4 p.m. on Friday and close at midnight on Saturday. For those of you who don't know, Creating Hope for Cambodia is a yearly fundraiser that supports ministries affected by the sex trade in Cambodia. We raise money that is sent to missionaries in Cambodia for student scholarships to give children hope and a future by staying in school. This is a ministry called to action to make a difference where, where we are. And you can be a part of that difference this weekend. We have a list of our vendors on our event page too that you can check out before the sale. We're getting ready to worship our Creator, and we would encourage you to lean in and participate no matter where you are. Yes, and again, thanks for tuning in today at Christ Community Church Online. We hope you enjoy these next few moments of worship. Hey church, wherever you're at today, let's stand together and give thanks to our God because he is so worthy and he is so good to us. This is the day. This is the day you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name, and now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks to all you have done, and I sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is failing, Lord, I am When I was down, you brought me out and set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand, you are my God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. Let's lift it up. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing. Your mercy and your love, your love is 
failing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks to all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is failing. Lord, I am
this moment that we're able to spend with you. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we can come and give you praise, even though we're going through hard times and we don't necessarily know what the next day looks like. But we can give you praise before the breakthrough because we know that you are good, God, and we know that you are faithful. So during these weird times that we are going through now, God, we lean into you. We lean into your goodness. We lean into your faithfulness, God. We just want to continue to worship you, God, by going into your word. You know exactly what our hearts need to hear, what our minds need to hear, Lord. And I pray that you just speak to us. And we just 
We just give you this time, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. What an incredible time of worship that was. Yes, so good. I'm Amy and this is Andrea and we'll be your service house today. We value generosity here at Christ Community Church and part of our DNA is sending and supporting missionaries around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple of ways you can worship through your giving is to text CCC Rochester to 77977 or simply click the give link on your screen. We are grateful for your generosity. If this is your first time joining us online, welcome. We are thrilled to welcome you to our church. We invite you to take this moment to fill out our online connection card. It is a great way for us to help get you connected here at CCC. All you have to do is click the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. You can even click the request prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. We are continuing to pray for each of you and we would love to join with you today in lifting up your specific needs and praises. If you would like to pray at any time during service, simply click request prayer and our host will be available to pray with you right then and there. There are many opportunities to receive prayer throughout the week too. You can check these out on the prayer page of our website. Thanks again for tuning into Christ Community Church Online. Now here's the message from Daryl. under pressure. The measure of a man in storms and bad weather. The ability to see clearly as a fire grows hotter, only to act as a faith purifier. And much like a diamond buried deep in the earth, it is the pressure that we face that reveals our faith's worth. So when your strength begins to fail you, there is grace for your need. He is waiting, open-handed, and His grace is free. Grace under pressure. Hey, Christ community. I hope you have had a great week enjoying sunshine and 60 plus degree temperatures. I know there have been a lot of crazy circumstances that have been going on for all of us, but being out and about able to get some sunshine and vitamin D I know has been helpful to all of us. I'm excited that you're with us today. And we're in this series in our church that we're calling Grace Under Pressure. And we're talking about how to receive God's grace and also to minister God's grace to those who are around us during these seasons that are difficult for many of us. And whether that's the the difficulty of what we're all experiencing together or it's some particular difficulty that you're experiencing in your life that's unique to you. God has grace and peace for you. He wants to give it to you, and he wants to enable you to minister his grace and peace to the people who are around you. I love how this little letter of 1 Peter that we've been looking at for these last number of weeks, I love how it begins. It's a prayer of of blessing over the people who are reading and considering what this letter says. And it just says, may grace and peace be yours in abundance. And 
we're praying that for and with you and for us as a church, a community, a country, a world, uh, that God would continue to minister his grace and peace to us. So today I want us to consider a way that God ministers grace and peace to his people. Maybe you haven't thought of this before. Uh, One of the ways that God ministers grace and peace to us is through good, godly leadership. Uh, One of the ways that, I mean, God just, he protects his people, he shepherds his people through leadership. As I was preparing for our time together today, I was thinking about something that Jesus saw and did. Um, It's recorded in the Gospels for us, and he, he had a group of hungry people in front of him. He'd been teaching them, and he was getting ready to do a miracle, feeding them. But the Bible tells us that Jesus saw them, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion for them. And he was looking at a particular group of people who did not have good, godly leadership, and the result was that they were scattered, they were harassed, particularly spiritually, Uh, they were in need, nobody was watching out for them, protecting them. And one of the ways that God ministers to his people grace and peace is by giving to them good, godly leadership. So we're going to talk about that today. I really have three things that I hope happen uh, in our time together. The first is I really hope that we see together that there's, there's a high bar for leadership, particularly in the church. And, and I hope you come away from this time really expecting a lot out of your spiritual leaders, the people who lead here in the church, and also with a stronger commitment to pray for them and to encourage them because of what they've said yes to pursue and to do. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I really hope for us is that if you're leading in our church, if you're leading as an elder, if you're leading as a small group leader, if you're leading in Kids City, if you're leading in our local outreach, if you're leading somewhere in our church, if you have influence in our church, I really hope you come away from our time together today affirmed and encouraged. I hope there's something that God just does inside of your heart for you that says to you, well done. I mean, you're, you're pursuing the right things. You're doing this the right way because the leadership of this church is doing a good job, and I want you to know that, and I hope God affirms that for you. And then the third thing that I hope happens today is that some of you who are listening to me, that you'll be stirred in some way, that God would stir you or he would inspire you to desire to step into leadership and influence in the local church. So to do all this, we're going to consider some verses in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's the first four verses of this letter, or excuse me, of this chapter in this letter of 1 Peter, and it's written specifically to the leadership of the different churches. And so we're going to draw six different principles out of this, and we're going to move quickly through them, and then I'll pray for us and give you some questions to consider in, in your time there of discussion or reflection. So let me start by reading for us 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So let me give you six different principles for people who are pursuing, becoming 
good, godly leaders. And this is what we should be expecting of each other as leaders here in our church. The first principle is, and all these start with P. Like It's just amazing how all these words worked out together. They start with P. This doesn't happen to me very often. So the first one is plurality. And what I mean by that is we lead together. Uh, in the New Testament, to the New Testament church, the, the primary leadership, the, the highest level of servant leadership in the New Testament church is, is called elders. And sometimes a writer of scripture will refer to themselves, like Peter did here, as an elder. But when it is written to the leadership of a church, it's always plural, to the elders of a church. There's, it's not just one person who leads and leads in the church. And so there's this, when you think about spiritual leadership, about good godly leadership, I, I think of it in terms sometimes like of a group project. But if you're a student that, or recently graduated, that might make you recoil. Um, but, or a team sport. You could think of it as a team sport. But nobody does this, is not designed to be alone. And God doesn't want his people leading alone. You think back to the ministry of Jesus. When he sent his disciples out, he always sent them two by two. Now, Pastor Greg sent me an article this week about something else, but it had this little quote in it. The article was by a guy named Rick McKinley, and he's pastor of Imago Day Church that's in Oregon. He was being interviewed by Leadership Journal back in 2007 about some things about his church, and he was talking about principles that they inspire and require of, of young leaders in their church. And one of the things he said this, he said, nobody starts without a team. If it's just one person doing it, they're going to get burned out and frustrated. If they can get two or three people to join them around this vision, then they've got a shot. I heard a lecture early on in my leadership training, pastoral training, and the leader was talking from his own experience, and he talked about how, how spiritual leadership is lonely. And he was talking about the necessity for difficult decisions and about how, you know, sometimes there's betrayal there. And he was, he was talking about how leadership is lonely. <laughs> it was not very encouraging to a group of young leaders. But he was trying to paint reality for us. And, and leadership can be lonely. Sometimes there are hard decisions that have to be made. And there's information that not everybody has. And it, leadership can be lonely. But it's, that's not God's design and it's not God's intention it, you might be lonely for a moment, but you shouldn't be leading alone because God's plan and God's purpose for leaders in his church particularly is plurality, that we always lead within the framework of a team. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. This is position. And there are two different words that jump out of these few verses here. The first is among and the second is over. And good godly leadership leads from among not over people. Um, to the elders among you, he writes. And I just think that's a curious phrase. It's an interesting way to describe church leadership and, and where they fit in the body of the church. Um, I think some other words that are, you know, that kind of come to me as I think about that is that like church leaders are part of the church and they're with the church. It really reminds me of Romans chapter 12. Um, the Apostle Paul was writing that, and he was writing about different people in the church. And he told the people of the church, he said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think reasonably about yourself and to think rightly about yourself. And then he goes on to paint this picture of the church being a body. 
And so if you're an eye, you're an eye, but you're part of the body. If you're a hand, you're a hand, but you're part of the body. And if you are an eye that is not part of a body, and it's just, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of gross thing. Like you could get, we could go some places with this. But there's this, this idea that, that people who lead are with and they're part of instead of being over. He uses this phrase of don't lord it over the people who've been entrusted to you. Don't, you're not the lord. You're not the boss. You're, you are among, with, and part of, not lord over. And so that second word is position, and leaders should be thinking of themselves as being among and practicing being among, not being over the church. The third word is possession. And the little phrase that I use for it's it's my church, not that it belongs to me, but that I belong to it. It's this is my church in that I belong to this church. It doesn't belong to me. And I've been around church and church leaders for most of my life and Sometimes I've heard people say, that's my church. And you can just tell by the way they're talking about it that they think that that church belongs to them. And maybe they started it, or maybe they're at the, you know, the top of an org chart, or maybe they've been there the longest, or maybe they're the biggest donor or one of the biggest donors. Like There's a whole lot of factors that go in. Somebody will say, hey, that's my church. And, and you can just tell from the tone of voice and, and the way they're talking that that church, they think that church belongs to them. But that's never true. The church never belongs to a person. In our verses, Peter writes these words to those first leaders, and he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. The church never belongs to a human being or a group of human beings. The church always belongs to God. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul, he's writing to a different group of elders, but he makes this same point. He says to him, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So the price tag to own a church is not that somehow I've made it to the top of the organization or I've been here the longest or I'm one of the people who've given the most money. Like that's not the price tag for a church. It's the blood of Jesus is the price tag for the church. And he has bought the church with his own blood. It belongs to him. You know, one of the songs of heaven, this is a song that's sung today and will be sung forever, and it's important to note that it's sung to Jesus. It's in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and they're singing about a specific instance, but there's this principle that gets me, you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, and this is why Jesus is worthy, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And, and the church belongs to him. And good, godly, spiritual leadership recognizes that the church and the people who make the church don't belong to the leaders or any one leader. They belong to Jesus because he bought them with his blood. And so if we say, this is my church, the good, godly leadership, when those words come out of the mouth of a good, godly leader, they're talking about it's mine because I belong to it, not that it belongs to me. Fourth word, people. The bottom line of our church is the spiritual well-being of people. In almost every organization, if you just think about this with me for a second, almost every organization 
What's the bottom line? It's money, right? It, in the places that we work, the businesses that we patronize, the bottom line in most of the places that we have anything to do with is money. But that is not true in the church. Um, this whole idea of bottom line, it just comes from the spreadsheet, right? What's, when you're counting up the things that matter, the bottom line is, and while the rest of the world, most organizations, the bottom line is money, in the church, the bottom line is people, and particularly their emotional and spiritual well-being. Um, the, the words that Peter writes here, they just strike me. He, he says to the leaders, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And I just keep looking at those words, be shepherds. In, in the first century, just like today, from a leadership standpoint, there are, there are a lot of different images that he could have drawn on. He could have, he could have drawn from the business world and said, you know, be boss over this flock that God has given to you. Uh, he could have drawn from military world and said, hey, take command of the church and be commander of this group of people that you lead. Uh, he could have drawn from the world of politics. He could have, he could have said, be king over these people. But instead, he, he takes this image of shepherding. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care. And while in our modern day world, we, you and I, probably don't know a whole lot about shepherding, but one thing we know for sure about shepherds is the most important thing to a shepherd is the condition of the sheep. And, and so good, godly leadership, their bottom line, the most important thing is the condition of the sheep, the condition, the spiritual well-being of people. And I'm pretty sure that when Peter was writing these words, about be shepherds of God's flock, he was thinking back probably 30 years to one of the last face-to-face -face conversations he's had with Jesus. If you remember from the story right before Jesus' crucifixion, Peter actually denied knowing Jesus three times. At three different conversations, Jesus was in trial, under trial, and people were saying, hey, you're with him. And three different times he said, I'm not with him, I don't know him, I'm not with him. And so after Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he had a meeting, a face-to-face -face meeting with Peter. And three times, to restore him, three times Jesus asked Peter, said, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus' response all three times was, feed my flock, take care of my sheep, feed my lambs. And Jesus, that was Peter this is what I have for you. And Peter's thinking about that conversation he had with Jesus, speaking to leaders. The bottom line, the most important thing, feed, care for, protect people. Spiritual interest, spiritual well-being of people. So that's, that word is about people. Here's our fifth word. Uh, this is priority. And the priority I'm talking about for leaders is character before competency. And that might seem a little bit backwards or different than maybe what you've experienced in some other places. But if you read through the Bible when it talks about the requirements for spiritual leadership in the church, there are no skill sets that are listed as, hey, this is, you have to be really good at this or you have to have demonstrated competency in this. When God gets ready to lay out the, the qualifications for leadership, in his church, he always talks about character. 
And so for leaders, not to diminish our skill set and pursuing increased skill, but for leaders, the most important thing, the priority for selecting and for cultivating leaders is character and developing and cultivating good godly character so that we provide good godly, good godly leadership for the people that God has entrusted to us. One of the verses that jumps out to me as I think about this, it's actually from the Old Testament. Uh, it's in Psalm 78. And Psalm 78 is a really long psalm, um, 72, I think, verses. And at the, that whole psalm rehearses the history of God's people and how they were hot and cold towards him and how in their own circumstances, like the pain caused by their own behavior and the circumstances that were pressing in around them, the different benefits and blessings that God gave to them. And the psalm ends by pointing at David, who was King David. And what it says about he was, he was being held out as God's gift, as a shepherd to his people. You know, it's one of these ways that God gives grace to people who are in hard times. And what, what that psalm says about David, David shepherded God's people with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. And the order that that gets listed, I think, is really important. That the first thing that this exemplary leader of God's people had was he had integrity of heart. And after he had integrity of heart, then the skillfulness, his skill, was important uh, from there. And so this, this priority that we place for leadership, spiritual leadership on character, um, outstrips competency. There are, to have somebody who is highly competent leading spiritually when their character doesn't match, it always goes astray for the person in the leadership role and also for the people that they're leading. But a person of, of great character, of godly character, may not have the strongest skill set but they provide the protection and the feeding and the leadership that God desires for his flock, and they minister God's grace and God's peace to the people that they're serving. So this priority of, of character before competency, and then here's the sixth word, privilege. And by this privilege, like we get to do this together. The church is the people of God. The church is the body of Christ. The church is, it is the bride of Jesus Christ. These are images that the Bible holds out for, this is from God's perspective, the, the group of people who say, hey, I am part of, like, I'm a follower of Jesus. We're the church, and together we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And to be called into position of influence and leadership in this blood-bought people of God is an incredible privilege that God would offer to us to be able to, to care for and to protect and to lead someone or a group of people who are part of this church. It's an amazing thing. And so we recognize that this is a privilege and sometimes, sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's messy and we have an enemy of our souls who wants to lob in and wants to tell us that, hey, this is, you're just doing, you're obligated to do this, you have to do this and produce grumpiness or, or some sort of compulsion in our lives. But that's, 
That's not true. We, we get to serve Jesus by serving his people, by protecting and leading and, and shepherding them. And we get to do that, and we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do it in isolation. We get to do it with other people who also love Jesus and love his people and want to see his name lifted up in a community. And so, so no, matter, no matter what you're feeling or experiencing, if you're a person who's leading in the church, if it's hard or if it's messy, it remains a privilege that we get to serve Jesus and we get to serve his people by leading and protecting and we get to do all of that together. And so I, I'm really grateful for, for the leaders that have been part of my experience and my journey and the leaders who lead me even today. Um, they are, they're ministers of God's grace and God's peace. They remind me of truth. They, they confront me of my sin. They help me see the way that I should go. They stand in prayer for me and as spiritual buffer, God ministers his grace and his peace through good godly leadership. And I'm so thankful for that. And I hope you're part of that. And I hope you're experiencing that. So if I could, would you let me pray for us? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And then I'm going to ask you some questions to consider and reflect. So Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of spiritual leadership. Thank you for men and women of good, godly character, integrity of heart, skillfulness of hands, who, who shepherd, protect, lead us as your people, as your bride, as your body, Lord Jesus. And I pray your grace, your peace, um, your favor, your affirmation uh, over, over those people who have just said, yes, I will be a person of influence in my church. I pray that you would protect them from thinking that they are not doing enough or somehow they're, they're off course or off pace um, that this is not meaningful, and I pray that you would speak your words of affirmation, blessing, and favor, that you'd give them a well done. And I pray in this moment, you're stirring the hearts of people to say, hey, I, I would like to be part of something like that. And I pray that you would call people into leadership in this beautiful mess that is your body, that is your bride. Um, we're your people, and it is, we say yes to being your people, and we say thank you for the leaders that you've given to us and Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let me ask you five questions here real quick, just for reflection, discussion. I hope you have a good conversation about this. If you're with people or this stirs some good thinking in you. So the first question is, have you had a leader? It could be a teacher, it could be a coach, it could be a pastor, a boss. Have you had a leader who was a source of blessing to you in a difficult season of life? Second question in your own words, describe the difference between being a leader being among or a leader being over people. I talked about that for a little bit and just wondering how you're thinking and feeling and how you would describe that. Third question, do you agree that the bottom line for a church is the spiritual well-being of people? Why or why not? And are there other bottom lines maybe you think should be considered? Fourth, Interact with the idea of character being more important than competency. You agree with that? And how would this idea be received at your work, at your school, on a team that you're part of, the places that you volunteer, that character is more important than competency? And then the last, think about those relationships where you have influence. Have you been seeing that influence as a privilege, a burden, 
something else. We're really just getting you to think about the privilege of what we get to do this together. So thank you guys for being part of our online church service. I love you. I look forward to seeing you here on the other side of the camera next week. God bless you guys. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you could join us today. You can still stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram and Facebook at CCC Rochester. Yes, we hope that you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.